Welcome back to Chewing It Over. Back, you might not have been here before. This is a weekly, no it's not, it's a daily, weekday, lunchtime broadcast, talking about all things topical. Please, as those of you that have tuned in before, know that I am always paranoid as to whether or not you can hear me, see me, the signal's vaguely stable, um, but it seems to be working pretty well. And so please do give us a shout on the, wherever you're finding this, which is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever it might be, if you can just uh, drop us a message, even if it's just an emoji. You don't have to be enthused. You don't have to be excited. Just letting me know that you can hear me okay, then I massively appreciate that in the opening seconds. Today, we've got a spicy topic. And on Fridays, last Friday's show was quite giddy. I think I get a bit excitable for... Um, for the week, uh, the weekend. I think it's uh, something that I do find uh, that maybe I'm a bit more impassioned on Fridays than usual, a bit giddier. Um, and today's topic's going to get me riled up, I think, not in a bad way. Passionate, probably the better term, but, you know, generally it's going to be a spicy one. We're going to be talking about sort of NHS and private practice in where they come into conflict, where sometimes patient perceptions, sort of professional opinions and it's been fueled by a, a lovely post that was posted up onto the Physio and, and Therapist Support Group, I couldn't spit that out then, um, which is a popular Facebook group which has emerged in around a support network, especially in around the COVID situation. And it's kind of the real hub for independent private practices to sort of collaborate and understand policy. And so it ends up being quite private practice heavy, uh, unapologetically so, and it's a good good space. Now, granted, across um, people work across sectors. You know, until recently, I did the same. You know, working in various different discipline, uh, different sectors within the same discipline, and um, and so fundamentally, we're uh, we're in a situation where there are post scope where people have got their own opinions and biases, favouring one thing to another, or offering their take on what patients' perception is of certain areas within the industry. So before we get going, and I'm going to just go go at it for a little while, I'm, I'm not shy of opinions in this direction, not shy of opinion full stop. So I'm just going to sort of give my take. Um, but in the meantime, I'd love your thoughts, not just on what I'm about to say, but also just as a starting off point, what's your position as to whether or not you feel that it's it's actually there isn't a there isn't a relevant difference in say style or substance between say classic NHS private pra and, and classic private practice or that that, that matters. Now, quite rightly, um, Rob's made a great point here. He seems to be tuning in on Twitter. He said, "In thirty minutes, best of luck." Of course, it's a topic that goes beyond thirty minutes. I think it'd be very ambitious, but I'm going to introduce it. There's no reason we can't have recurring themes on chewing it over. We've got time. I'll be back next week and we can have uh, guests on if they've got passionate opinions and they want to bring them forward. Um, I can reflect some of the other conversation that's gone on on the physio and therapist support group. Now, it wasn't just a one-off post. It went off within about 12 hours. I think it had had 100 comments, um, many of which rallying behind this point, which was the, the primary thing being. Uh, and it was, it was a lovely post. I'm not saying who buy or anything like that, just because when someone posts in one forum, it doesn't mean necessarily they want to be attributed to it everywhere. But you can find that if you want to. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, the author of the post I invited on the show, but very short notice and stuff, and they're busy in clinic, in part because of the reasons that talk, they're talking about. Now, in this post, they're saying they're conflicted because on one hand, their private practice is busy, but it's often busy with patients that are disgruntled and frustrated by NHS services, particularly at the moment, but that just feels to be rising. And then they're saying that... Um, 
fundamentally that 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 makes them a bit concerned over the perceptions of the profession at large and he's meaning as physiotherapy but we could say the msk industry no doubt um as as to how that looks if if people are going to be a disgruntled by nhs care now there's then some comments then people rallying behind that but then also there's been points made about how that was an, sometimes an un, this unfair characterization sometimes of nhs practice and so it was a real real um cracking topic to be to be thrashing through and obviously something that we can chew over so as i say i want to put it to you guys before i go off on one as to what your sort of take on the matter is post your comments i'll be interested and i'll definitely bring them forward at the end of the show with no guests that are expected today um and therefore definitely will be coming to your comments so i'm keen to your your thoughts ahead of time but then also your reflections on what i'm about to to rally on and talk about. Okay, so my take on the matter, um, and this is someone that I speak as someone that's worked across across sectors, um, less so in sport, but a bit of sort of consulted within sport, but then particularly out of balance across my career of working in private practice and then working in the NHS. A uh, fairly established NHS career over the 10 years I've been practicing, whereby I've then gone through as a, a rotational generalist for, for a short period of time, specialised early in MSK, and then gone through the bands from 5 to 8A in an advanced practice ESP role. Um, granted, not done first contact as it currently exists. Some of the things we talked about with Uzo yesterday, I've not done sort of GP first contact typically uh, as it's currently defined. But other than that, I've had a fairly varied experience within the NHS. Similarly, worked in private practice in various capacities, including now you know, I sit in a studio that's in the middle of our, our bespoke. Uh, practice in uh, just south of Manchester and so fairly varied doesn't mean that my opinions therefore I think not worth anything but it's just uh, something that uh, admittedly I come from this having worn various different hats sometimes simultaneously now the, the PC answer to this is that of course there's good and bad everywhere and that it shouldn't matter the context in which you're seeing someone should just be delivering high quality care regardless However, we know that there's certain parameters around the sort of time you can see with patients, what, what sort of waiting circumstance they've been in on a list or not, their accessibility, um, as well as the fact that then the, the demands of the patient is sometimes dictated by their circumstances and the nature of how they've come to see you. And those things matter. And so whilst I'm not saying that, um, that those things I'm, I'm, I'm brushing off, it's just that that is sort of a gold standard answer in that, of course, I agree in principle with that. But I think that sometimes the interesting conversation gets stifled by people saying it shouldn't matter and it doesn't matter and that there's good and bad everywhere and that the distinctions are being overblown and actually there's a massive amount of similarity and that the, the, the average the average person that goes to see an NHS physio for back pain, uh, the distinct the differences between them and that, that circumstance and then going to see your average private practitioner, um, the, 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 the diagnostics, their style of care delivery, the rehab that they're given, the, the management plan, the, the timings, the spacing, the attention. There's this, this notion that they are on a par and that they overlap more than there is a distinction even. Sometimes the conversation is really difficult to get off the ground because it's super contentious. Now, for me, I, I probably make no friends with my opinion on this, which is that I've said before, and it's not been a, it's not been a popular comment of mine, but I'll stand by it, especially um, with regards to when it was short character limits on Twitter. This was something that I'd said, is that I've found that the NHS MSK department, so NHS industry on that side of the sector, on that sector of the industry, sorry, I'd say is riddled with complacency. 
right? There's, you don't have to sing for your supper. There's always patients come in. They're going to be referred regularly. And therefore, there is a complacency that sets in where there isn't really a market force that can really raise standards in a sense that you, you're not necessarily going to have the sustainability of, of quality from that mechanism. There are other mechanisms. But I do find that there's a complacency that can sit in that that style of complacency would be highly unlikely to last in most private practice settings because they're not necessarily getting the, say, results or having the the rapport or relationship building that, that would be necessary for continued uh, practice. Now, that's not everyone, of course. You know, all the caveats apply to the fact that that is just my opinion based on a sort of take on, on some people, or I'd say plenty of people. I'm not saying the odd one. I'm saying that generally speaking, I would say that side of it, there is a complacency that is a core issue there. And that was what was being spoken to a little bit on this thread. And so there's plenty on there that I'm nodding along to and I feel like I agree with. What I find interesting, though, and in my next breath in these tweets that have been controversial before, and my opinion being why I say I'm not going to make any friends on this, is that whilst I can hold that opinion to be fair and true and therefore representative of some of the comments that were coming up on the support group, the other side is also true, and I hold it with a similar weight, is that I consider the private practice side of the of the industry, the sectors, to be riddled in similar amounts to the complacency I mentioned before by profiteering over treatment. Uh, unethical practices that are based on pandering, for want of a better term, right? Just the, com the compliance of a therapist within the needs and whims of a patient as if they're coming in to a, a shop in which they're then just selecting from uh, a menu. Shops won't have menus, you know what I mean? Like a sweet shop and they're sort of divvying it up and it's the customer who's always right and therefore whatever they want, they get. And their perception of what they need is just pandered to as a means of be that for profit, for ease, or for whatever it might be, for relationship building, for future future work and therefore the ethics of, of both those circumstances the complacency within a public sector that sometimes therefore doesn't have it's not going to be challenged by needing to draw business and then similarly on the other side the profiteering that can occur where someone's being seen every other day for for, for various different treatments that wouldn't necessarily be efficacious or something that are not indicated or sometimes even detrimental to the circumstances of the presentation, I hold both those opinions, I would say, in equal weight. And so what I find interesting is that when I see someone railing against one side of that, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for them to offer the caveats to why they don't get carried away in the other direction. And I rarely find them. And I'm not saying that, therefore, that my opinions, therefore, balance because it dislikes both equally. Um, there's definitely examples uh, that, that sit across that spectrum. But it's just that railing against, especially at the moment, under the stringent measures that have taken place, whereby NHS care is being especially compromised in many ways, and private practice has as well, of course, but it's just more that the uh, circumstances around the parameters in which you can treat people, the time frames, whether or not it's face-to-face -face or virtual, the access, you know, people uh, haven't been even been able to sit on a waiting list. To some extent, there's been many departments that have completely gone to, to zero, and then referrals have started to trickle back in. So those parameters of, of almost infrastructure, of course, make a difference. Uh, but I'm just saying that what we need to bear in mind is when I see someone that's railing against the complacency side of things, whereby it's like, oh, they've just given a, given sheets and told to self-manage, or they've uh, they've been told that they um, that they weren't really, it wasn't personalised care, it was really generic. They sort of nodded along, put them into a diagnostic box, and sent them on their way. When someone's railing against that, of which is a fair point, you know, I think it's poor practice across the board. You know, I really don't like that style of care. 
but I, I'm looking for them to also explain. When they're then saying what you want to do is you want to personalise and individualise and, and really speak to someone's specific needs and wants, etc. Then sometimes some people that are making that case are then, if you scratch beneath the surface of which, of course, I do, is that you find that their style of practice is is on the pandering side of things, right? What they're meaning by individualise and personalise is bend to the whims of the of the customer and they're considering a customer more than they are a patient of which they're caring for and sometimes therefore wheeling out all sorts of bullshit treatments and, and things that are not necessarily within what I think would be an ethical evidence-informed framework of care that's appropriately clinically reasoned and that's what's concerning. Similarly, when someone in, in, um, in the NHS will rail against the... Um, I think you know it's a fact of the matter that there's there's some real profiteering that goes on, and the amount of times that they'll experience patients, and I've experienced patients that have then been mistreated by a process that they've been signed up for sessions and seen someone unnecessarily for for various different uh, things that have been very intervention driven, and, and no one's really thoughtfully worked them up and to understand what's going on with them. That those, that I want those therapists to also reflect on the circumstance that if then your answer is to simply give them a good talking to and, a, and an exercise sheet and then essentially there's someone that shouldn't be being burdened in the healthcare system, a burden of the healthcare, healthcare system and they shouldn't be seeing anyone really, they just need to sort of pull their socks up. The complacency that sometimes lies there, I'm frustrated with also. But one of the core things that seems to happen is that people don't understand the confirmation bias that seems to fuel their opinions here. And I might, I might be succumbing to the same mistake, but fundamentally, you've got a, a, a number of private practice, practitioners who will often be saying things like, the amount of patients that bring up with me about their frustrations with the NHS care that they've had or haven't had, if they've been sat on a waiting list or whatever, the process that they've gone through is increasing and it's a problem. Not disagreeing with that happening, but don't kid yourself that there isn't a counter-narrative going on. The amount of times I've been in NHS practice hearing about and, and, and very real circumstances where there's been some utter mis malpractice, I'd even go as far as to say, but really poor care being delivered by private practitioners, often with reports or, or some tin pot scan about uh, posture and alignment and stuff that's just nonsense and doesn't apply to it. The amount of times they've seen, I've seen a physiotherapist for various different acupuncture, massage therapies, ultrasound on this hamstring, and I just can't seem to shift it. And you, you know, quick assessment and, and hearing their story even, you're realising that not just because of failure to respond, but because of some of the symptoms and the tingling in your foot tells me that this is probably more like sciatic problem than it is a hamstring. And it's just been totally mismanaged by someone. Now, that's poor quality care. It can happen across sectors. But it's relevant, the fact that someone's paid for 12 sessions of interventional care and been given a, a couple of exercises, might even be fancy exercises in the gym or whatever for a hamstring, but it's been misdiagnosed. Now, that misdiagnosis could happen anywhere, and it does happen anywhere, but the, the fact that they've then gone in twice a week for, for various different passive interventions, it's relevant, and that happens more typically, I would argue, in the private sector for various reasons, for mainly points of access or the fact that someone wanted to be seen twice a week for those sorts of treatments for, for a hamstring injury in the, in the NHS, and for, for good reason, I don't think that should be accessible by taxpayer funded. So it doesn't typically exist, uh, at least these days. Um, obviously, historically, we know that stories of people lined up on, a, on electrotherapy machines, etc. But fundamentally, I think that that's, uh, that's in most part a thing of the past. So I hold both those positions as strongly and I get frustrated when I see one narrative being peddled without obvious recognition of the other. It's like get your own house in order, get your own shit together. Um, and often there are people that are, that are doing that and that are speaking to 
their take on the matter being maybe one side of that, but acknowledging that the answer isn't to succumb to the other side of it. And so I'm looking for that. I want to see people that are arguing that the NHS is sometimes being too generic or some parts of the NHS, some services, some practitioners within the NHS are being too generic and just giving out um, really generic advice and, and handouts and stuff like that. I want them to explain when they mean what, they, what they're talking about when they're talking about individualised and personalised care. I'm interested in what they mean by that because sometimes it means that it's, it's, the, it's the pandering and the interventions that are actually just a different flavour of bad practice. Similarly, those that are frustrated, that are NHS purists, that rail against private practice being uh, all profit-driven and, and laden with, with uh, seeking those sorts, of, those sorts of gains, I want them to explain a little bit about what their style of care is that then sits somewhere between it, that truly does individualise and person-centred rehab style practice that scales someone's functional ability and, and is sensibly evidence-informed, not in a complacent sense, that then just means that yeah, really fundamentally I try to see them as little as I can as a means of cost saving because they're a lower priority as a, as a primary a primary driver, as has been sometimes fed through from the system and from management, etc. So I want people to mitigate the, the arguments and, and contemplate the stronger arguments on either side of that. So I've said a lot there. Let me open up my, my chat function, see if any of you guys have sort of weighed in on it. So really interested to, to, to find out. Just to remind you all of Rob Tyre's brilliant point here, which is good luck in 30 minutes. Yes, of course. I'm not going to be covering all of it in 30 minutes, but interested in your thoughts. Right, let's have a little butchers who's, uh, who's weighing in. Uh... Right, okay, lovely. Here we go. Helen Stevens, aka Helen Preston, off of Preston's Health. Hi, Jack. I've just been discussing the public perception of physiotherapy with our MP, who I just found out is in the Health and Select Committee. Oh, that's interesting. Good stuff there, Helen. Let's have a look. What else is she saying? I discussed how I hope the private sector can help support local NHS services during COVID times. We're hearing patients really struggling to access GP, let alone physiotherapy. Lots of my time talking to patients on how to navigate systems right now. See, that speaks to surely where we should conclude, not just this session, but also when this topic is discussed, is how can we better collaborate? How can we start to speak the appropriate languages? And for me, a what's and all discussion is, is a necessary one, including the points that I've just made. But what Helen's saying there is, of course, there's got to be a role, especially in these times, for the sectors to better integrate and to work together for the betterment of, of patient care when this strains on the system, because it's in all of our best interests. So a huge thanks to, to Helen for that comment. It's really thoughtful. Um, right, lovely. Paula Clayton, what I'm loving about this cast is the passion coming from you, Jack. You're doing what I do, getting faster and faster. Slow down. I don't, I, I speak fast. That's that. If I start speaking slow, I'd lose my train of thought, I think. So tough luck there, I'm afraid, Paula. I'm going to be spouting uh, fast nonsense for a while yet. But thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying it. She's also then weighed in with her, her opinion, which is I've seen the good and bad in both. I've seen some fantastic physios drowning under referrals because of their approach, and I've seen the jaded physios picking up the paycheck. Yeah, unfortunately, that can happen across sectors. Um, and I think that one of the things that's interesting here, what Paul has added there, is is it about the personality trait of the therapist? I think that can be really a, a key factor, and we, we can and will talk about burnout. I think we've got some great shows coming up in the next couple of weeks with some brilliant guests about that, about self care, etc. Uh, I think there's going to be some some fact. There's so many factors affecting why someone behaves in a certain way, but just for the for the heart of of, of this discussion, come rant, I suppose, is that what what we sometimes fail to do is the minute that someone brings up these call them stereotypes or, or cliches or, or whatever it might be within sectors, 
and they're having to paint with a broad brush because they've not got specific examples, then there's, there's a, a group of people that feel that, that it's, it's, they don't recognise it at all and therefore it's a total nonsense. And I just think that it just seems that when themes come up so regularly, it just seems so frustrating for them to be dismissed as if it's just fear-mongering or division or tribalism or whatever. But then similarly, when people all suggest that that is representative of the whole and that people speak, again, they paint with too broad a brush and they infer that that is what their, their take on NHS care is NHS care, or that the patients that are coming in and, and railing and rallying against what their experiences have been in the NHS is that that is representative of the whole. Similarly, when patients come into NHS practices and start being frustrated about the the um, the sort of um, pandering to symptoms instead of solving actual problems, aren't re- recognising an, um, another uh, crime that occurs often in private practices that there's this expectation that they're per- often perceived by the therapist that the, the, the patient is going to be um, wanting, almost looking at their watch until they can get on the couch and be fixed and therefore that rushing along and not necessarily being thoughtful with the subjective history taking, not necessarily taking their time to actually look through and do a, a appropriate analysis before getting stuck into treatment, whatever it might be, whatever flavour of practice that person's delivering, they need to be recognising that the patients that are then saying about how the, um, you know, often in NHS practice it was that, you know, you're, you're really you're taking far more time to really look into this and asking me lots of probing questions. And they were sort of surprised at that, having seen multiple private practitioners before. Fortunately, not me or my team, because uh, as I said, I've worked across sectors. The majority of my career, there's been overlap of various different flavours. And it's actually a rare thing that in the last, say, what is it, a couple of years, 18 months that I've not been in NHS practice at various different levels. And I hope that I've been able to deliver a, a quality care model, regardless of, of what has been happening. But it is um, something that I think is, is hugely naive when people perceive that they that the the fact that one one the style of, of, of payment let's say doesn't have some bearing on expectation of the patient and therefore sometimes a bearing on the style of care that's delivered. It's just frustrating for me because as someone that's sort of quite passionately fought for you know if someone was to 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 be a fly on the wall and not know the context in which I'm being treated, someone's being treated, I would be confident in saying that someone presenting to me in, in, in the NHS and someone presenting to me in private practice, they wouldn't be able to tell apart. They'd probably be d- disappointed in the quality regardless, but they wouldn't be able to tell them apart. And I'd be proud of that. But I think it's, it's bullshit if people were to suggest that that's an easy position to take for everyone in every context. And what I mean by that is that when when it's taxation funded NHS care of which you're seeing someone on a list for the day on a waiting list that's full and you're you're seeing that patient, the way in which your interactions are going to be influenced to some extent by the fact that they, at the end of that session, regardless of how well they've enjoyed it or what their take is on the matter, the fact that you're not then walking with them or sending them to a chip and pin machine to pay for that treatment, that is a relevant distinction in, in sort of customer service terms. It is a relevant distinction. As I said, someone that proudly feels that I've been able to, to you know, fight for the ability to, to treat very similarly, don't get me wrong. I'm just meaning that it is, it is a different feeling. It's a different phenomenon. And also, you think about the circumstances underneath what I'm doing, where I've got my own practice. It's like 
who's, who's my boss's boss who's going to be coming down on me for the style of care that I deliver? It doesn't exist, and that's partly the reason because I'm I'm, I'm someone that, that has uh, not wanted to do that for various experiences. But there are people in private practice that are managers or your boss's boss who expect you to do a certain thing or the style of care that's delivered in that practice you need to comply with, and therefore you're not able to be as autonomous as you would otherwise have been. And those that work across sectors often feel that is that I know there is a difference in care because there's a difference in expectations between the NHS job and then especially when they sort of moonlight or do a, a Saturday job uh, in a private practice, they kind of know there is a distinction. There's also a distinction sometimes in the clientele. You know, you're getting some more, more persistent pain, more impoverished populations, more social circumstances that might surround them depending on the referral streams of each of the practices. Whereas someone get, you're seeing an acute ankle sprain within 24 hours in private practice, you're rarely going to see them in a standard MSK department where you might see a more complex, otherwise impoverished person that's not otherwise going to pay whatever it might be for an initial assessment in private practice. It doesn't always work like that, of course, but the complexity is different and the circumstances and the context is different. It's not always about unscrupulous people um, in either side of it being either complacent or profiteering. But the thing I'm most frustrated by is when all the things I'm describing there are either represented as being uh, a fair, accurate representation of the whole or they're dismissed as being niche examples that hardly ever exist it's like such a recurrent theme that it's so frustrating when people have had those experiences and pool those experiences but they're dismissed especially if you've got someone who's a, a sort of narrow empiricist that then wants me to make these opinions and then feels that I shouldn't even be making them unless I can re you know quote chapter and verse of a referenced paper that then suggests that this experience cluster that I'm describing in any side of it is, is nonsense or should be considered to be non-factual until I can present some sort of niche um, data in that direction. And I just find that to be really frustrating because if you stifle that conversation, you're either going to get people that infer, continue to infer that that is representative of the whole, so people that are you know, going to get that collaboration we're looking at and what Helen was talking about, but you're also then going to make the mistake of, of, of having people that then just don't have a place in which they can air what they consider to be an observed reality and you're just questioning their their experiences and that's a, a massive massive frustration for me so let me have a little look at some of your some of your comments here um oh here's, here's one rob Rob's uh, still stayed tuned in. That makes a change. He's probably sick of my voice having worked with me for years. But people who show throw shade at crappy NHS physios or dodgy private practice behaviour should always reflect that you only ever see someone else's failures. If they were successful, you'd never see them. He goes on. And you only hear info secondhand based on what that person has heard or interpreted what is said. Of course, absolutely, the biases that exist there, you've got to take with a pinch of salt everything that comes and recognise the sample bias that Rob's describing, whereby you, you're not seeing the successes of either side of it. Um, what other comments we've got here? Thank you so much, Asti Bolton on Facebook. Let's have a look, it's a long one. NHS care can vary so much within small areas. Since COVID, there are two community hospitals near us who haven't allowed the physio departments to return because they need the space for other aspects of healthcare, very relevant. So the physios have had no choice but to offer virtual consultations. It doesn't mean this in the case across the country though, and it's the generalising which is so frustrating, as you say. Well, thanks, Astrid, that's really nice of you to, to comment, and it's a really fair point that 
there are so many relevant niche circumstances, especially in these times, that have influenced care delivery in such a meaningful way that to overgeneralise wouldn't be helpful, but also to to recognise that when a patient comes in railing against the virtual consult that they had that was sort of glitchy or whatever, there's no way that that is a fair uh, judgment of that service, that individual therapist. Everyone's having to flex and adapt, and some are more versatile than others. Both, you know, some services, some patients, some therapists, some patients are more amenable to it. But also, the, um, the bureaucracies that sometimes exist upstream of certain departments can really influence their ability to do that. And who's to blame for it? And the patient won't necessarily know. It's not not their fault to be able uh, to to not know. They might just be frustrated generally and let that go in a, in a consultation. But for you to then consider that to be representative, that's the bit that gets concerning. So uh, many thanks for that. It's a really lovely point there, Asti Bolton. Thank you for that. Um, right, I'm going to, ooh, I've looked at the time. I better wrap up, Adna. Fair play. Thanks. Keep your comments coming. Share this far and wide if you think it's interesting. Absolutely not something I was going to cover in 30 minutes and then come to some sort of conclusion. But I do want to make sure that I want to highlight Helen's point earlier, which is definitely where I wanted to finish it, is that this, I'm not trying to sort of stir this up and suggest that it, it, we need some sort of tribal turf war. Absolutely not. We need to start speaking the same language, recognising the faults in, in, in certain arguments, recognising that we're sometimes painting with too broad a brush, but above all else, coming up with solutions that can help us to collaborate better. One is to be open and honest about speaking the same language and understanding the faults, but also looking to opportunities to collaborate, reaching out to your local departments, reaching out to your local private practices, and starting to try and find a way to make sure we can deliver quality ethically based person-centered care that then scales people's function to what is at the heart of, of good good care delivery in msk and i don't care who it is you see in what context but we need to get that gross variation in practice and standards that seems to be what seems to be driving people apart at the moment that needs to be at the heart of any reforms and of course i would say that being part of msk reform the grassroots think tank check out mskreform.org.uk if you want to see these philosophical arguments unpacked particularly in the excellence chapter uh, and influence chapters i would say that, that, that towards the end of the manifesto for reform that we wrote we sort of speak about how this stuff could be tidied up if we were to focus on the things that bring us together rather than the things that drive us apart. However, I would also say that anyone that's trying to stifle this conversation by putting their fingers in their ears and pretending it's all all right, and that pretending that these perceptions aren't rife amongst the public and amongst the profession, they're the ones that aren't, aren't helping as well. So I've said a lot there. Um, I've said it 100 mile an hour. Huge thanks to those of you that have tuned in, especially those that have commented and joined live. Uh, we do this at 12.30 till 1 o'clock at lunch times every weekday and so i'll see you next week many thanks that's been the friday show some brilliant guests coming up next week as well tune into this week's episodes and this is available live across various platforms you can listen after the fact on facebook twitter linkedin all that sort of stuff but you can also then find it on any podcast platforms just as an audio uh, on spotify apple music that sort of stuff so do join me on there after the fact if needs be all the best take care have a lovely day let's see if i can smoothly transition to our fancy little outro thing it should work and uh, if it doesn't apologies but if it does be up for for a change slick friday goodbye